Well, some of you folks have got hands laid on you, you got a testimony about what God has done, or if you have a testimony of what God has done earlier in the week, make sure you fill out one of the prayer reports. We can read it off this week or even next week, that um, what it is that God's doing, doing for you. We started a new kind of a mini-series last week, looking at a heart condition, that we need to get our hearts made better made right, that we can do some things with the heart and, and make, them, make them better. We looked at Asa, that King Asa was said that he had a perfect heart, a loyal heart before God all of his days, and yet we see that some of his days he was not walking all that well, that too often our focus has become on our actions and not on our heart. We need to make sure that we focus on our heart and not on our actions. Very often, the enemy tries to get us off and get us going in a wrong direction. If he can get you to focus on your actions, you take your focus off of your heart. And you never achieve the goal that you want to achieve. We talked about some examples of people who have gotten off and went in the wrong direction to achieve a result, but they never got it because they went in the wrong place. God wants our heart to change. The prophet came to Asa and he told him this. He said, For a long time Israel has been without the true God, a teaching priest, and without law. Three things that they had been without. We brought that over to our time here today. That do we have the true God or do we have a God of our own making, our own liking? A lot of times we, you hear people say this, Well, I don't think God would. Well, I don't believe that God would do that. Well, what are you basing that on? Well, I just don't think he would do that. You have a God of your own making. You don't have a God of the Bible. We need to have a God of the Bible. If the God of the Bible tells us that he's this way, that he is that way. And that needs to be our God. They were without the true God, he said. They were without a teaching priest. Teachers, do we have teachers in our life? Do we have people who just kind of itch our ears? They said they were without law. Do we have God's law or do we have, again, a law of our own making? How many times have we seen something in the Word of God written that we needed to do something, we needed to go in a direction, and what do we think? Well, I don't know if I need to do that. I just don't feel like I need to do that right now. Hmm. It's interesting. We have our own law. Same thing that Asa needed these things, we need to have them in our, our life as well. It's important. Too often we strive for perfection in actions instead of the loyalty of heart. Go after the loyalty of heart. Go after that perfect heart that God talks about. We're going to be in a few different directions here today, but there are two kinds of hearts in the Word of God. We've covered this before. You probably remember. There are only two kinds of hearts ever described in the Word of God. Only two. First one is hard. The second one is soft. That's it. There are no other hearts described in the Word of God. You either have a hard heart or you have a soft heart. Now, if you go over to Exodus chapter 7 and verse 8, the poster child for the hard heart is Pharaoh. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh speaks to you, saying, Show a miracle for yourselves, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, so the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner and with, this, with their enchantments. For every man drew his own, drew, threw down his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up theirs, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Now, Pharaoh started with a hard heart, but the word of God says in a couple of places that his heart grew hard. You may have a, a soft heart. You may have a hard heart. The thing about the heart is that it will grow. It will go in a direction. Now, here's a problem that we have. With, um, well, let's, go on, let's look at this. Exodus chapter 7. 
In Exodus chapter 7, verse 20, And Moses and Aaron did so, just as the Lord commanded. So he lifted up the rod and struck the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of the servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. The fish that were in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink the water of the river. So there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, neither was, neither was his heart moved by this. His heart was not moved by the things that had happened. Now, here's the, here's the thing I want you to see from uh, what we've seen so far here in Scripture. We have two kinds of hearts. We have a hard heart, and we have a soft heart, and that's all that we've got. Too often, when we've looked at this in Scripture, we're going to say that we have a soft heart over here on the right side, and we have a hard heart over here on the left side. That very often what we tend to look at is Pharaoh has a hard heart. He's over here. Paul did have a hard heart, but when he was ministering, he was over here in a soft heart. God spoke to him. He heard it. He listened. He, he did some things. And we place people into this. The reason that I have a hard heart is because I am located over here. The reason I have a soft heart is because I am located over here. And that is not true. A hard heart and a soft heart is not based on location. On how far you are over here or how far you are over here. The Word of God gives us some clues on this. It says, first off, the Pharaoh's heart grew hard. It grew hard. Now, Paul, when he was going out there killing people, he was getting harder and harder to the gospel. When he had that experience on the Damascus Road, what happened? He listened to the things of God, and he changed. Would you say that the day after that experience, would you say that Pharaoh or that, that Paul had a hard heart or a soft heart? I would say he had a soft heart. But yet, how far did, can he move that heart in one day? How sensitive can you get your heart? How much can you move it over there? Hard heart and soft heart is not based on where you are on the line between a hard heart and a soft heart. It is based on direction. If I have a hard heart and I am facing in a direction to get harder, my heart is hard. But if I have an experience and I turn around and say, no, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to listen to God. I now have a, even though I'm in location-wise, I'm on this side. But I'm now moving towards this side. The heart grows hard. The heart grows soft. I'm growing in this way. The direction for which you are growing is what your heart is classified as. Pharaoh's heart was growing hard. Therefore, he had a hard heart. If he would have stopped and listened, he would have been said to have had a soft heart. It's the direction that we're going in. It's the way that we are moving. It's not a matter of development. Well, I've got to be walking with God for so long, so I have a softer heart, so I have a more sensitive heart. No, it's what direction are you moving in? What direction are you going? Here's one other thing that is called about a heart or used to describe a heart. That's in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because... It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive." Verse 15, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. They have grown dull. What kind of heart is that? That's a hard heart, isn't it? If you are moving and you are 
in a direction to grow hard, your heart is dull to the things of God. It's not open to it. If you are having a soft heart in a direction to move even softer, then your heart is open. It is sharp. It is ready to hear. That's, that's a, another characteristic that's used here. The, their ears are hard of hearing. People who have hard hearts also are hard of hearing. And their eyes, they have closed. Not physical eyes, but they can't see with their spiritual eyes. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn. Turn. <laughs> What's he saying there? Go in a different direction. Lest they would hear and they would turn. So that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. In Acts chapter 28 and verse 25. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed. And Paul had said, had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our father saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand. And seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts in turn, so that I should heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. So Paul says exactly the same thing in relating to why the gospel message is going to the Gentiles, because the Jews have become hard to it. Now, in Matthew chapter 12, just one verse here, Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, tells us to either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. How many kinds of fruit are there? Two. There is good fruit. There is bad fruit. Sometimes we want to say apples and oranges and bananas and stuff. But according to the Word of God, there are two kinds of fruit. Good fruit and bad fruit. If you ever had bad fruit, you know what bad fruit is like. We want to have good fruit. So where does good fruit come from? Good trees. People with soft hearts. Where does bad fruit come from? Bad trees. People with hard hearts. Pharaoh, was he having good works or bad works? Good fruit or bad fruit? He had bad. Why? His heart was hard. When Paul was going around persecuting the Christians and was hard to the things of God, what kind of fruit did he have? It was bad. When he turned to God, what kind of fruit did he have? It was good. People who have soft hearts have good fruit. People who have hard hearts have bad fruit. So is it a good idea to have a soft heart? It surely is. The fruit of Pharaoh was bad and certainly undesirable. Who would want to have the fruit that he had? He ruined an entire nation. The fruit of Moses was what? It was good. Moses had good fruit. Now, I mean, not in the early years, but you know, when he got uh, turned around, had that burning bush experience, he was, he was having a lot of good fruit. How about the fruit of the disciples? What was that like? It's kind of mixed, wasn't it? I mean, sometimes it was good, and sometimes it was bad. Why? It's not so much where they were on the location of are they getting closer to a soft heart or getting closer to a hard heart. It's what direction they are in. At one point, Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, flesh and blood has not revealed this, but my father, which is in heaven, which means he heard it and received it. So what kind of heart did he have? He had a soft heart. His fruit was good. But the very next episode we have with him, Jesus is talking about because they understood this, that he was the Christ, he began to talk to him about he's going to die. Be beaten, crucified. On the third day, he'd be raised up. And Peter pulls him aside. And he says to him, you shouldn't be talking like this. And the Lord says to him, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What happened to Peter? In a space of a few hours... He went from a place of being a soft heart and good fruit to a place of a hard heart 
and bad fruit. He got his direction wrong. It can change that quick for us. We've got to be mindful of the direction that we are going. Am I going in a direction to have a soft heart? Am I going in a direction to have a hard heart? In Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, You have heard that it was said of, these, of those of old, You shall not commit adultery. How many know that's a good idea? But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in where? In his heart. In his heart. If you look on a woman and lust for her, you have already committed adultery with her. I mean that, but you haven't actually done it. But he says you did it in your heart. If you did it in your heart, it's the same thing. Hmm. In 1 John 3, verse 15, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. If you hate your brother, what's that a condition of? That's your heart. You got a bad heart in there. You got hate going on. He says, if you hate your brother, you've done what? Committed murder. You're a murderer. If you hate your brother, you committed murder. You committed murder. You are a murderer. If you lust after a woman, you are an adulterer because you did it in your heart. Did you know that what you did in your heart was that powerful? What you do in your heart is that powerful. Now, we can think about this and begin to become condemned and, oh, man, I'll never become good enough. I put this in your outline for you. What you determine in your heart, God sees as done. What you determine in your heart, God sees as done. In 1 John 4.20, if someone says, I love God. And hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? This is a real important thing to understand. If someone, what? What's the next word? Says, how much have we seen in the word of God that talks about what you say? And how powerful what it is, what you say with your mouth? Believe with your heart, say with your mouth. We see how important it is that you say things with your mouth. But look at what he says here. If someone says, I love God. God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? What you say with your mouth does not override your heart. This is a concept that many Christians don't get, especially uh, faith-believing ones. Because we go over to Mark chapter 11, 23, 24, and we say, I got to say it with my mouth. And we go around, we say things with our mouth, and we think that it ought to change. But what kind of things are we supposed to say with our mouth? What's the, what's the things, whatever things we believe. And do not doubt in our heart. Say them with your mouth. We've got to take care of the heart condition first. There's a whole lot of Christians going around saying things, expecting them to be done, but with their heart, they don't believe them. We've got to get our heart changed. If I get my heart to the place where I believe it and then speak it with my mouth, there's power there. But there is no power if I speak what I do not believe. Now here he's talking about, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? It's important what we say with our mouth. As important as we know that is, it's even more important that we change our heart. We get our heart right. Now, there's a story in the Bible that all salvation is based on. The story, in fact, I'll, I'll ask you this question. I put it in your outline for you. Why was God able to send his only son as a sacrifice for our sins? What was it that enabled him to be able to send his only son as a sacrifice offering for our sins? You all remember what it is? Abraham. Now, there's two answers to this. The first answer, you could say both answers are actually going to be correct. The first answer, you could say, because Abraham sacrificed Isaac. The second answer, you could say, is that because Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac. Which one is true? Did he sacrifice Isaac? No. 
So since he didn't do it, how did it work to give God the open door? Because he was willing to. You got to get this understanding. If we get this understand to understood completely, it can really change our life on, on some things. God sees what you do in your heart when you have determined and you have become willing. He sees what you do with your heart as if it is already done. How many of you have ever had a desire to do something for the kingdom of God but have not had the ability? You've lacked the ability. You wanted to write a check for, for something, for an amount. You wanted to go somewhere. You wanted to do something. And you determined, if once I have that ability, once I am able to do it, I am going to do it. And there's just something that, now there's some people, they go around, they say, I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to do this for you, and they never do. How many of y'all have people in your life like that? As soon as I can, I'm going to do this for you, and they don't do it. But when, when that switch goes off, and you have become so determined that it is going to get done, as soon as I get the ability, it is going to be done do you know that God sees that thing is done? That there are people in heaven beside Abraham who could be credited for something they did that never actually happened. Didn't all mankind benefit from an, an act that never actually happened? We all did. We all benefited from it. Now, Jesus actually was crucified on the cross. But Isaac was not crucified on the altar. Let's go back and look at that story. Now it came to pass in Genesis 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. A lot of times people think the test they go through is God testing them. This is one where it said God's, God came on up to test him. We had to see how, we had to see whether he would do this thing. So that this test had to be done. Just because you have hardship in your life, just because problems come your way, does not mean God is testing you. It's just called life. It will test what is on the inside of you, but it does not mean it came from God. It's just life will throw your test, throw us test, and it's getting us ready. The reason that we go through elementary school, junior high school, and, and high school, and we go through all that education, all that tests, is not because that somewhere out in the... In the uh, World, when we're driving around the car, a police officer will pull us over and said, I need you to fill out this 10-question spelling. He's not going to do that, is he? We will never face a test like we had in elementary school, junior high school, high school. We'll never face a test like that. We're not going to have somebody come over and give us a multiple-choice test and say, let's see how you can do with this. It's getting us ready for what we face in life. That's what it's getting us ready for. And God prepares us and gets us ready for things he knows that life's going to throw at us. So Abraham, he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain of the mountains, of which I shall tell you. So Abraham consulted his wife to decide whether they should do this thing. Didn't do that, did he? Apparently he didn't really say that he consulted her at all. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. That's pretty confident. He knows what he's going to do. No one else does. We will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood on the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. He said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. They came to the place which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar there. And placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. you got to wonder what kind of a guy Isaac is. He's just, yeah, okay, good. Tie me up. Put me on the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. 
So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Now, when you see the phrase, the angel of the Lord, who is that in the Old Testament? The Lord Jesus Christ. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked and there behold, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. Now, what did Abraham say out of his mouth to his son? The Lord will provide himself a lamb. It's a very weird phrasing. The Lord will provide himself a lamb. Because in actuality, that's exactly what happened. The Lord would provide himself as the lamb. But no lamb showed up for this sacrifice. What showed up instead? A ram. A ram is not a lamb. And he sacrificed a ram, waiting for the eventual lamb that the Lord himself would provide. So he spoke prophetically there. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. Instead of his son. His son was never sacrificed. His son never was killed. The Lord will provide... As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies in your seed. All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. All the nations includes more than just the Jewish nation. He's talking about all the nations, which means he's foretelling that the gospel message will go to all the world, not just the Jews. Of course, even in the Old Testament, it was open to all the world, but you had to become a Jew. In the New Testament, they went right to the Gentiles bypassing the Jews. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because you have obeyed my voice. Because you have obeyed my voice. So much is open for us when we obey the voice of God. When the voice of God speaks to us and we listen and we do it. That is a soft heart. A hard heart hears the voice of God and does not do it. When Pharaoh heard what God said through the mouth of Moses, he decided not to listen. Right? I'm not going to let your people go. I'm not going to do it. And he didn't obey the voice of God. His heart was described as hard and growing harder. We want to have a soft heart. We want to have a heart that responds. That when God speaks to us, we say, oh, all right, we'll do that. Like uh, we've, I've told you over and over again. Brother Hagin used to drill this into us. Instantly obey the voice of your spirit. That's how you grow spiritually. That's how you develop. That's how you get that soft heart. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young man, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Now, there's some things missing in this passage. We're going to have to wait a while to find out what, it, what happens. I really want to find out what happens when they get home. And Isaac says, Mom, guess what Dad did? I'm sure that the little boy would have done that. Because little boys always get excited about telling moms what happened during the day, especially when it's dangerous stuff. We just seem to, to really enjoy that. Abraham was willing and determined to sacrifice his son on the altar. Because of it, God saw it as a done thing and acted on it because he saw it as done. Now, whatever God does, he's doing this so that in the face of the enemy and accusation, he has a legal right to say, I have a legal right to offer my son because one I was in covenant with offered his. If being willing and determined to do it didn't count, God still doesn't have a leg to stand on. But apparently God did because salvation plan worked. What we are willing and determined to do, even before we do it, is counted by God as done. 
whether good or bad. That's why he uses that part with adultery and with murder, hating your brother. That's why he says those. Because this law is in operation. What you determine and are willing to do is considered to be done. Now, there are a lot of things that you are willing to do, right? But not necessarily determined to do. Right? You know, if um, I'm not a big Olympic watching fan, but if the Olympics are put on by another member of the house, I may be willing to sit and watch them. But I'm not determined to. You see the difference? I may be willing to do that, but I'm not necessarily determined to. I may be willing, if my family goes out and buys Chinese food, to, I may be willing to eat some of it when they have it all home. But I'm not determined to do it. You won't see me going out to a Chinese restaurant and ordering the food myself. That's, that's, there's a difference between being willing and being determined to do something. We sometimes want God to see our willingness as determined. And there's a big difference. When you have made yourself willing and determined to do a thing, then God sees it as done. If you are just casually willing, well, I'll go ahead and do that if I, if I need to. Mm-mm, not so much. There's a lot of things we do in ministry that we are willing to do for God. As long as it's easy. Why? Because I'm not determined. We were looking in uh, the book of Acts and we saw that uh, Paul and Barnabas went off on their first missionary journey and they took someone with them. You remember who it was? Relative of uh, Barnabas. They took John Mark with him. And John Mark, they got to the first uh, couple of cities and after the second one, John Mark splits. And we went through and we looked in the book of Acts. We saw there wasn't really a whole lot that happened. But whatever it was, it scared him off. And he went back on home to mom. And Paul was mad. Paul didn't want to, he didn't, he didn't like being left. Because really, when they've had John Mark there, they could meet in the synagogue. As soon as John Mark left is when the persecution really started. And they were no longer able to just go into the synagogue. They had to find a place, set up chairs, get people ready to, to go. They had to do all that themselves because they lost their helper. They determined John John Mark was willing to go with them, but he was not determined. He was able to be swayed. Paul and Barnabas were not only willing to go on the missionary journey, they were determined. So much so that Paul went to one city and they were all they were ready to make him gods. We went over that on the in the, in the Wednesday night. They're ready to make him gods. And then the next day, took them out and stoned them. Actually, they stoned them in the city and then dragged them out to the city and then left them there. They determined, for the, the, the phraseology, they determined that he was dead. Apparently, so did the other disciples, because the other disciples just gathered around. If you think a person is alive down on the ground, wallowing in blood, you would certainly help them. They're all there looking at him. They think he's dead, too. Everybody thinks he's dead. He gets up. And goes back into the city that just stoned him. How many of you know that's determination? That is some determination. Now you go over to Jonah, and Jonah got the call from God, go to Nineveh. And what does Jonah say? I am not willing, nor am I determined to go. And he went in the opposite direction. That's another matter, not being willing. But just because you are willing to do it does not mean that you are determined to do it. Sometimes things scare you off. People's attitudes, people's responses, you know, getting stoned in a city, left for dead, that can have an effect on you. Uh, Paul, later on, he's beaten, put into prisons. He's shipwrecked. He's, got, he's hungry, has no food, has no water, floating around the ocean for a couple of days. That could discourage you. But he's not discouraged. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19... We refer to this often. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now it's saying if you are willing and willing in a determined way and obedient. 
and obedient. That means that on the inside, your heart is determined to get the thing done, and on the outside, you do it. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. There's an adjustment we need to make down in our heart. Sometimes we are having a hard heart and we are pursuing God. We're not quite sure why it's not working. God is speaking to us. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. The number of ministers I have heard over the years and the podcasts I've listened to who have related a similar experience where God began to deal with them. I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want to. They're really listening to I don't want to do that. I don't like doing that. I don't want to go in that direction. And finally, they break down and they say, all right, God, if you want me to do that, I'll do it. Brother Hagin tells us the most detailed story of that that I I heard. And uh, he was out on the road. I listened to God and obeyed God and went out in the road, had some struggles there, but got past the struggles and finally got to the place where it was, it was working pretty good. And down in his spirit, God was dealing with him. I want you to go back to that church. Now, he's already been out of that. And, he, and that's of all the churches. That's the one he didn't want to go back to. Uh, I don't want to go back to that church. I don't want to go back to that. I don't. I want to do this. You told me to do I want, I want to do this. I want you to go back to that church. And he didn't want to do it. And finally, God kept dealing with him, speaking to him on the matter. So he finally got down on his knees and he said, all right, if you want me to go back to that church and pastor that church, I'll go back and pastor that church. And he determined and became willing on the inside of himself to go back to that church at that moment. And God spoke to him and says, I don't want you to go. I want you to be willing to go. He was so mad at himself. He said, I lost sleep, fasting, praying all this time on this matter. And all you wanted was me to be willing to go. Yeah, he was upset at that. But God just wants us to be make sure that we're willing to do things. And that we don't get to a place where we are resistant. We get our heart to that condition that if God speaks to us, I will do it. If God tells us, go over there and minister to that person at the Wawa. I'll go over and minister to that person at the Wawa. If it says, go over there and buy them a cup of coffee. I'll go over there and buy them a cup of coffee. If God tells me, go to work a different way. What will I do? Go to work a different way. You need to listen to what God says to do. As you develop that softness, that ability to listen to God, it changes your direction. Your direction is towards the things of God instead of away. And that helps in your life a tremendous amount. I put this in your outline for you. What happens in our heart does not stay there. What happens in our heart does not stay there. You ever heard that, uh, that uh, phrase they say, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Yeah, they like to think that. Of course, you know it doesn't. <laughs> Whatever you do in Vegas or any other city is going to follow you wherever you go. So you be careful what it is that you're doing. <laughs> Don't listen to that. I don't know if anyone thinks that this city has some magical powers. You can do any amount of sin that you want to do and it won't follow you home. I don't know about that. What happens in our heart does not stay there. What, it, what happens in our heart, what we determine to do, what we become willing to do in our heart does not stay there. It has an external effect. If you have determined in your heart, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be open to God doing this with me. I'm, I'm not going to be open to whatever it is that God's dealing with. If, whatever it is, if you're not willing. It is easy in life to be led by open doors and closed doors. It is easy in life to be led by persecution. You go where there's the least amount of resistance. It is easy in life to do that. It is hard to do what God said to do. One of the things we, I love about the book of Acts is we're going on through this. We see that no matter what the opposition, the leaders in the book of Acts did what God said to do. They went in the direction that God said to do. few exceptions. But most of the really good leaders, they were doing what God told them to do. One example, we'll be looking at this, uh, I think this, this uh, Wednesday coming up, when Paul had that vision. The man in Macedonia, come over, minister to us. And so he did that. He perceived that that was God saying, go over to Macedonia. And as soon as they got there, they had trouble. 
soon as they got there, they had trouble. And they had trouble just about every place they went. And very little results. But they stayed because they were willing and determined to do what God said. How determined are you to do what God has said to do? Can you be talked out of it? Can a couple of people getting upset at you? Get you to quit? Can opposition? Can being thrown into prison? Shipwreck? Going hungry? Like Paul did? Are these things that can discourage you from doing what God said? Then you are not determined. Your heart isn't right yet. Get your heart right. Father God, if you want me to do this, I will do this. No matter, like the word of God says, though he slay me, yet I will serve him. You've got to have that mentality. I don't care if God kills me. <laughs> I'm going to do this. I am going to serve him. I am going to do what he said to do. God doesn't go around slaying anybody, but you've got to be that determined. So what direction are you moving? Are you moving in the direction of a hard heart? Are you moving in the direction of a soft heart? Talking about a heart condition. What is our heart condition? Now, last week we said, what are the, what are the factors that cause us to have a loyal heart. We didn't get there this week just because we had to go over this stuff here first. This, this stuff was important for us to, to understand. But I dug back into um, some of the things we had gotten into. This was uh, over 10 years ago, over a decade ago we went over this, so you may have forgotten about it. But there was an old acronym that we had thrown out to you that has to do with this matter. We used the, uh, the letters HO, H-O-E, just like you cultivate the ground with a hoe, that's how you remember it. If you want to cultivate your heart to be soft, if you're going to cultivate the ground to make it softer, you get out there with a hoe and you start to, to go to town, you start digging up the place. The first thing you need to do, and this is, these are things you've heard talk about before, but first thing you need to do is hear. You've got to hear the voice of God. When God speaks to you, you've got to hear it. I've got to hear it. You gotta. You can probably guess the O. You gotta obey it. I guess there's no good if I just hear it and let stop there. I've got to hear it and I've got to obey it. How soon should you? How long should you wait between the time that you hear it and the time that you obey it? It should be instant. We all know that. How well do we practice that? How many times do we hear something? Well, I was doing that for a day or two or a week or a month. Hmm. Last thing, and this is the hardest thing to do, but this is what cultivates the heart. You need all three things here going. Hear, obey, and this is the tough one. Expect. It is so hard to expect when you have heard and obeyed and felt like nothing happened. Have you ever done that? You heard something from God? You obeyed it, and it didn't seem like anything happened. And so what happens is you can become calloused in your heart, which is another term for hard. Well, I'll do it, but I don't really expect anything to happen. We're not cultivating a soft heart. You need to hear, obey, and once you do it, you need to expect. Father God, I'm expecting that this is gonna, this is gonna go. Abraham had to be in a place of hearing, obeying, and expecting for 25 years before finally Isaac came along. That's a long time. He had to keep hearing, obeying, and expecting. We sometimes go for a couple weeks, a month or two. We think we've done pretty good. Hear, obey, expect. When God speaks to you, you obey it and you expect results. He speaks to you again, you obey it, you expect results. You hear him again, you obey it, you expect results. And you keep that expectation up. The enemy comes in and says, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That's not going to change. It's been that way for all this time. It's going to keep on being that way. And we can begin to Get an attitude that says, you know what? It probably is going to be that way. It's been that way for a long time. And I'm just going to serve God and have to just adjust that this is the way it's going to be. You lost part of your hope. Hear, obey, 
expect. It's real important that you do these three things. In fact, this week you need to work on it. Hear, obey, expect. Do a check on yourself. Am I in expectation? How many of you, how many of you can, can right now, you're thinking about some areas in your life where you have ceased expecting? I know I have. I've got some areas I kind of ceased expecting. We've got to get out of that. We've got to revive those things. No, no, no. I need to be expecting. And I cannot just hear, obey. I've got to hear, obey, and expect. Hear, obey, and expect. Because we sometimes just have turned it off. All right, well, I'll, God told me to do this. I heard him. I'll go ahead and do it. But I'm not expecting anything to happen from it. I am getting my heart harder. It's going to go harder and harder and harder and harder. No, don't do that. Hear, obey, expect. Hear, obey, expect. What is God speaking to you to do? Whatever ministry you are in, you are going to find that there's going to be opposition. There's going to be things to discourage you along the way. I would rather be found in heaven having faced those discouragements and kept going and be able to say, God, I kept going. I kept going. Instead of having to just say, I quit. I stopped. Keep going. Don't quit. God will do some great things. We've got to hear. We've got to expect. We've got to obey. We've got to expect. Now, we want to still go back to that, that thought we had last week. What is it that caused a guy like Asa, who had a great beginning, missed out on God on a few things in that area, and then towards the end kind of went in the wrong direction? And yet the Word of God says about him that all his days he had a perfect or a loyal heart towards God. And if we have that perfect or loyal heart, things go good. If we lose it, things are not so good. What is it? that gets that heart. We've tapped on a little bit of it here. We're going to tap on some of the big parts of it next week. And I'm just trying to narrow down what it is that we need to, to get to. Because sometimes we can look at, well, it's this, 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 and this. And uh, I'm kind of narrowed. Now it's not so much that because that's kind of tied in with this. And there's, there's this over here. So you be praying for me that I get it all right. And that uh, we come on back here next week, we can, we can take this on. What is it that will get me into that place? So that I can be like Asa and I can be growing and developing. Because how many in our lives, we are focused on what I do that is right and what I do that is wrong. But God is focused on our heart. And even if you do some things that are wrong, if your heart is right, God has an entirely different view of you. And when you do the things that are right, but your heart is wrong, God has a different view of that, too. So he said, what you have determined to do in your heart, God sees as already done. But understand this. What you have done already, but your heart was not willing and determined to do it, does not count. What's the most important thing is, what is your heart? Like, is your heart right? It's so important. If we could understand how important that is, we wouldn't have a problem with understanding why it is that Asa could be looked at as such a good king and have some of the failings in his king, in his reign as king that he did. It's real important for us to, to learn that. So we'll get into some of the areas of scripture next week as we look into that. Would you all stand up with me? It's a good, good morning here. People got ministered to. The anointing was out doing some things changing some things if you got something changed in your body in your situation whatever it was and you didn't fill out a praise report yet make sure you fill that out we want to hear what is going on glory to god father we thank you for the help that you give us today that we can have that soft heart that our direction can be in the direction of hearing and obeying and expecting that cultivates that soft heart that's the direction we want to go. They're the things we want to do. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us in these things. As we go through this week, 
We know that you'll be speaking to us. You'll speak to us through your word. You'll speak to us through some people. You'll speak to us through the preach word we might be hearing throughout the week. You'll speak to us in our spirit. However it is that you speak to us, when we hear, we need to obey. And once we obey, we need to expect. I thank you, Father, that we can do that. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Not for me. I, that one sticks out for me. Yeah, we, we had, <laughs> I had to do it. report this week. Um, my mom had been staying with us, and <clears throat> she was doing the dishes and said, you know, we have no hot water. And Steve went down found this huge puddle under the water heater here. The whole thing had gone bad. So um, I was thinking to myself, you know, that's a couple hundred dollars. We don't want to put that out. And I thought, wait, we ha- I think there's a warranty on it. Sure enough, there was a, it was a 12-year warranty. There was only like one year left, but the guy told us what to do, take it back. So he took it back, got a new water heater, and still got a credit. <laughs> so praise God, we still have one there. Um, oh, this one's from Tony. Replaced the whole thing after we used it for 11 years. Yeah, replaced it and, and still gave us extra money, so praise <laughs> God. Um, Tony has one. She said, my son called and spoke to me. Um, they talked about 15 minutes. They had been estranged for a long while. Um, and so... Uh, Okay, well, so that there was a, a little bit of a reprieve there in the relationship, a little bit of rest- restoration going on. Okay, Vanessa has another praise report. Um, she says, I received a bonus on my job last week. Didn't you just get a bonus? You did get they a just bonus. love and that, you got They a just love giving praise her bonuses. God. That's good. Vanessa's going to be rolling in it. Hallelujah. Um, this one's from Allie. Um, she said that uh, Allie and Nikolai actually said they've been thanking God for their financial blessings coming their way. Um, by faith, <laughs> and they got more than they anticipated on their tax return. It was enough to fix their second car and make sure she can get out of the house on her own. <laughs> no more mommy. <laughs> um, Susan said, I'm thankful for neighbors who helped me dig out of my out of the big snowstorm. Praise God. That's always fun. And she says, I'm also praising the Lord for the wonderful birthday celebration yesterday. And today is actually her birthday. So um, this is from Phyllis. She said, after a preca- precautionary trip to the ER, she was having um, arm and chest pains this week. <coughs> she said they did a lot of tests, and uh, she wants to emphasize they did a whole lot of tests, <laughs> and everything came back negative. She said if something was going on, God repaired it, and her heart is regulated and everything. This one's from Chelsea. Um, God blessed me with a new financial opportunity that will be going on and gave me revelation this morning. Praise God for that. Anybody else? All right, well, we are having prayer. This afternoon at 1 o'clock, we'll go from 1 to 2. We're looking for an hour of prayer. It is a focused prayer. So as I put in your outline there, we have sometimes prayer meetings, and we have uh, people bring different questions, things like that. But these ones, we're, we're focusing to very large, um, a large focus, either something about the nation, something about communities, that, uh, or uh, something on the, on the church aspect of things. And we'd love to have you come on out and be a part of that. So uh, that'll start off at 1 o'clock if you want to come on back.